Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, indeed. Back together. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. 11 a.m. hour. We are going up into hour two of a three-hour home improvement show. We have three hours, and until further notice, we're going to have the home improvement show each Saturday going three hours. And we have a full three-hour show because Billiken basketball is tonight, for those of you. Uh, One o'clock today, following this show, right after the home improvement show, your retirement professionals right here on KMX 2 p.m., business of family business. Tonight, Billiken basketball, uh, and uh, one of my favorites, I'm a fan of, but I, it's kind of a, you know, I'm, I'm a Mizzou grad, so but, you know, what could be more St. Louis than Billikens? You know, St. Louis University. So I'm, I've become a SLU fan or St. Louis University fan and, you know, will be. So 314-436-7900 puts us together. We're talking about all things, excuse me, around the house. E, excuse me, Eves ventilations, humidifiers, furnace, furnace filters, all those sorts of hose bibs, things, and, and brought it in. And uh, I want to extrapolate a little bit um, on my answer to Ann. Uh, one of the ways that I can avoid doing plumbing, and I'm pretty handy, as you can imagine, um, you know, uh, is, you know, but but I go down in the basement, and I'm, I'm in a house that was, you know, built in 1957. You know, that's, that's a, you know, medium-age house for me. An old house is about 100, 120, 130 years old because we have those in within the listening area of this KMOX signal. Uh, quite a few in Illinois. Uh, we've got some incredible homes that are in the outlying areas that literally uh, I, I've seen over my career stunning structures uh, that uh, mostly driven by fire. You get a house uh, that burns down on fire and you've got somebody that has the means. They virtually build a concrete bunker structure where everything is masonry or concrete you know your foundation you pour the concrete foundation and then you put in all the you know the plumbing and all the stuff for under the basement floor and then you pour a main floor out of poured concrete reinforced steel concrete and that holds itself up and then you build your masonry on the sides another concrete floor to the point that even the floor of the attic or the ceiling on the second floor was made of concrete and then it's a steel structure attic sometimes wood but sometimes steel and then a clay tile or uh slate some non-combustible roofing material and and you get into those structures and they're just incredibly stout built as my father would say it's built for stout uh, and, you know, they just don't burn because there's the only thing combustible in it is the contents, you know, the sofas and the carpets and things like that. And typically they would have a ceramic tile floor or a clay tile floor or something like that that is, again, yet non-combustible. Uh, so anyway, some of those things are just uh, incredible. So as I get into my house, when I'm looking at the plumbing pipes, you know, and it's a typical wood-framed home, frame floor structure, and I'm looking at the copper pipe and the shutoff going to the second floor. I, for some reason, I just don't have good flow 
of cold water or hot water? Well, the first culprit is usually the shutoff right underneath the sink. So I turn that in and I turn that back out and I run the faucet. I take the aerator screen off the end of the spout so they don't, you know, collect all the grit. Sometimes that gets filled up with little sand type things, which is limestone mineral deposits that come through the water. So I un- unscrew that and I flush out all that. And so now I'm getting good flow here. It's at least the same that I did before. And I track it down, okay, where's the next shutoff? Well, I'll get down in the basement sometimes, and that shutoff, you know, is is right there. I can reach it, and it's all soldered in, and everything looks good. The copper pipes have been replaced in the last 10 years, so everything's pretty cool there. What's the problem? Well, it's probably that shutoff. So I turn that shutoff in, and it's really hard to turn. You know, it goes, and you know, well, so then, uh, and I kind of just, bumbled onto this a plumber friend of mine said just change the body of the faucet don't change the casting leave the soldered part in if you could buy exactly the same type of shutoff whether in line with a half inch pipe in and out or you know whether on an exterior hose bib faucet you know it's a 45 degree spigot or what's called boiler drain model and that's where i'm advocating take that into a plumbing supply with a photograph and you don't have to unsolder anything. You just shut the water off to the house or shut it off to that section of the pipe. And you unscrew and you have to hold the faucet body solid so they're not going to twist all the copper pipes. But I learned that taking all the guts out of the inside of the faucet, what's left, and this is what the plumbers do, they take the guts out when they solder this thing in. Otherwise, they burn up and melt all the uh, rubber and uh, fittings and gaskets and washers inside so they back that out when they solder this thing in well golly i just plunked the thing in i seven dollars and fifty cents i bought the whole faucet you know the part would probably be ten but the whole faucet is seven so i go buy the faucet and i back out the guts and i just screw this thing in and you know it has to be the same man brand brand manufacturer model etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, but you know some of that stuff is just so well made 40 50 years ago they haven't really changed much in the castings over the years and lo and behold, I've got a brand new shutoff in there, you know, with virtually no muss, no fuss, trip to the plumbing supply or hardware store or home center, whatever. So that's what I was describing with Ann. Sorry, I'm boring you all. I will move on, I promise. But I'm kind of geeking out today um, because I enjoy it. And hopefully for those of you, excuse me, that are handy enough to do this, uh, my mission on this show this week and every week is to empower you and give you enough information that you can kind of muddle through this on your own. Um, so whether I have the answer for you or not, I can generally give you enough information of, you know, what surrounds it, kind of the physics, the rules, the trade skills, the processes, you know, why this dumb thing might exist because of the sequence or lack of following the sequence of typical construction process. So you can kind of figure through those things. Uh, 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. The uh, topic for this hour is humidifiers uh, because as we uh, pour the coal to it or you know turn the heat on and really heat up our homes um, and there's a big pile of building materials called the house that that mass or you know thermal mass it has a temperature and you can change the air temperature inside the house but the outside structure, the pile of building materials, whether two by fours, concrete blocks, brick, whatever the stuff is, drywall, plaster, wood, floor, you know, all that stuff has to warm up. So the thermal mass 
of the structure has to warm up. Otherwise, you just put your hand next to the wall and it's freezing cold. Well, that's why we have forced air heating and cooling. That's why we put our registers, both supply and return, in various places. Anyway, bring it on. Come on, let's do some phone calls. You guys are a lot more interesting than I am. 314-436-7900, 436-7900. And uh, if you have a humidifier or you do and you haven't turned it on or you haven't serviced it or called the service tech to come take care of it, uh, please do because anything that has a lot of water, uh, it can be really, really good for your health, your home, your wood, uh, and I'm a big fan of humidifiers. I will, when we come back after this next uh, pause here, I will explain some of the various types of humidifiers uh, because there are some uh, residents listening today that have uh, really... Uh, unique collections of art or furniture, uh, things that have a very high value, and they can be truly destroyed by a non-consistent uh, humidity level. Uh, artworks, especially uh, uh, oil, brush paint, art, uh, frames, hardwood floors, things like that. You get those two dry, just like my hands my skin, if I don't keep that moist or put moisturizer on it, they will dry and they will crack. And it's what happens this time of year. Your house will do exactly that. 314-436-7900. Scott Mosby, KMOX. And then take a short pause and come back for more right after this on University of KMOX. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Oh, yes, indeed. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby. Two more hours or an hour and a half as we go into a three-hour show today, right up until 1 o'clock when we go into your retirement professionals. Phone lines here. Bring it on. Bring it in. Bring it off. And 314-436-7900. We're talking about well, anything you want to talk about, bring it on, bring it in. And let's talk about whatever my friend Tom wants to talk about. Tom, good afternoon. Welcome to uh, Morning on KMOX. How can I help? Hi. Um, I've got a question. Looking forward to a new build, and I have an idea, and I am just kind of want to run it by somebody with a neutral uh, you know, neutral sure. opinion. Um, yeah. Since, you know, cold cold air settles, hot air rises, et cetera, what would be the issue with having ductwork that is both, uh, meaning have a manifold in the basement that converts one line from being the return line to being the uh, feed line. And, you know, at the appropriate time of year, you just make that switch, and now uh, the hot air goes at the floor. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Absolutely. And, and vice yeah, versa. Yeah, it does. Um, and I pondered this a little bit. There's an inexpensive way to do it that we oftentimes, uh, some well, <laughs> don't often do it because it, it involves another hole in the wall. Um, instead of doing the supply line, uh, what I've done in the past here, Tom, is put two, returns, or two return registers in uh, to typically where instead of the pressured blow push air that's coming out of the furnace on a forced air system uh, there's also a negative pressure or suck the air in which is the return air duct likewise it's passive so it is on the uh, the intake side of the blower motor so anyway bottom line is most of those things feed inside wall cavity studs from the bottom up 
because two-story, one-story, whatever, you put the return, you put it up. And then uh, if you have floor register supplies, so you have registers on the floor, around the carpet, hardwood, near the usually by the windows and doors around the perimeter, if those are floor supplies, you put your returns on the inside walls up high. But it comes from the bottom. So you're blowing low and you're returning high. Well, you know, that's great in the summertime because you're sucking off all the hot air on the top part of the room. So right. what we've done is uh, in without any further ductwork, you just cut another hole down low, 18 inches from the floor, on the stud cavity there and put in a supply register that you can seal off by opening and closing, just like opening a wall supply or not. And you can basically uh, make your supply then draw off the floor, which is winter happy because you're pulling the cold air from the bottom part of the room. And and still, by pressured air, it's going past the window or the door on the exterior wall trying to get to the roof or ceiling of that that room. So there's another way to do that. But frankly, uh, it's kind of neat. But it's mostly uh, techno geeks like me that get into that. I think it's a I think it's a very inexpensive way to deal with it because that return air will take the path of least resistance. So you open that bottom register, very little is going to go through that ceiling, you know, that upper register in that Uh, same room. I see. Okay. Right, so yeah, a, you're, you're, yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but I'm I'm glad at least it's uh, validated. Uh, the uh, concept is validated. Maybe the implementation there's a different way to do it, but I'm glad to hear that. Well, if you do two supplies and you you know you have you can with all that now you're into active. Uh, you've got some pretty good size um, dampers that you have to open and close. Uh, I still do that on a two story home. I have you know I drive more. Uh, supply ac on up to the second floor in the summertime and i cut you know in the wintertime i drive it to the uh first floor because heat will rise up that second floor steps right. we have one unit for two floors um so yeah okay. all of that matters uh, another thing i would really if you're a new building um uh, uh typically the opportunity to put really high efficiency insulation in the wall cavities um, and typically spray foam uh, even if it's only a first half inch what spray foam does that fibrous and other types of insulation don't or wet cell cellulose is it seals up all the nooks and crannies the nail holes and every little space that causes the house to leak so you seal up the air barrier all around the outside of the house uh, you can spray foam the entire exterior walls, which is like building a Coleman cooler. Cooler, It's a really good way to do it, but it's pricey. So the right. fallback method that we do is spray one thin layer of spray foam, you know, half inch, one inch, whatever we can afford, and then fill it back out with fibrous or cellulose or some other type of less costly insulation where we get the most valuable part is seal up the air drafts, and then just insulate it. So on a new build yeah. or room addition, that's that's a really nice way. I hadn't thought about that. So just a small layer of spray in, and then uh, you know something more conventional uh, the rest of the way. That also Absolutely. would make it easier. You know, when I was always concerned was when you spray completely, is you know any kind of time you need to run whatever yeah. pipes, wires, or whatever, you're kind of stuck. 
uh, yeah. if you've sprayed it completely. So Yeah, uh, especially okay. in the attic. Don't miss that one, too, Tom, because you've got ceiling lights, you've got electrical wires and all that stuff. So, uh, you know, even when we got into this energy efficiency 20, 30 years ago, uh, basically there was one company that just took five gallons of drywall cement and put it in with a gallon of cheap paint, and they put a uh, spatter, like a wall texture blower, and they just blew that stuff all over the attic because all they wanted to do was stop the air leaks. It didn't matter with what. So you just right. you know blow this goober stuff up in the attic. It blocks all the air, and then you go ahead and insulate. So don't miss the opportunity to really control you know what's called air infiltration, which you and I know is leaks. <laughs> okay. Uh, one other brief question. Have you ever, with zone systems, also put a damper on the return line for the zone that, you know, to match the zone? So don't pull from that zone if it's closed, uh, you yeah. know, because it's a waste. Does that make sense also? Yeah, that's most often done on the supply side because those dampers are cheap. You know, when you're re- reducting and all that, you know, that's a big deal. But, uh, you know, this you know you can cut for example you know if your room is 110 degrees on the outside of the house and we want it 70 you're making up you know 40 degrees well you need more supply of cold air in that summertime than you do in the winter you know when it's 20 degrees sometimes yes sometimes no but the point being that is so easily done with uh supply line red uh, you know just dampers that you can put in line um so you can limit, okay. but but you know if if you're going to have this thing custom built, this is where you get the opportunity to do cool things. You know, right. CFM just say okay. So how many? Because the engineer thinks like that, or the heating and cooling company they do. You know, this room, this size, and this climate with these kind of windows facing this direction needs thirteen hundred and fifty cubic feet per minute, and we need two outlets there. But in the summertime, it's only going to need you know uh, nine hundred cubic feet per minute. So you can get into that conversation because now, I mean, you're paying this guy anyway. You know, just ask him a few more questions. How can I add a little bit? So, you know, that's all. You know, yeah, building a house, uh, if you're custom building it, you get to participate in all of those, which is how you nickel and dime yourself to a real, wow, that was a lot of money. But you get (laughs) a lot of features that go with it, too. Right. Yeah, it's all about long-term payback, so. Right, right. All or right. comfort. You know, people, yeah. it's like, well, how do I save more money? It's, well, shut your furnace off. That'll save you a bunch of money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think yeah. I want to do that. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, thank you very much. All right, Tom. Good luck. It's kind of a fun process, so take care. Yeah. Thanks. Bye now. Uh, Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. Again, these are conversations that in my day job at Mosby Building Arts, that's the stuff we want to talk about because, you know, b- putting in the plumbing costs X, putting in the electrical costs X. But getting the light switches in the right place doesn't cost anymore. It costs a conversation and the time of the designer to have those questions of, okay, so when you come in the house, uh, you have your hands full of groceries, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to drop my purse and turn on the lights. Okay, where are you going to drop your purse? What what door do you come through? So this is all stuff that we at Mosby Building Arts have, and that's why we are who we are, because it's not that we do whiz-bang plumbing differently. We just get stuff in the right place. 
and that's good design, and that's why we are design building. I'm not tooting our horn. I'm tooting the horn of that process and why you see that structure around, you know, whether you're building a new highway system, a new bridge, a new bridge over the river, uh, you know, a, a house, a heating and cooling, art, you know, studios, all those things that happen. Design build means you meet with the tradesman, the the contractor that's doing that work, and you say, if this were your house, how would you do it? You know, and then you get these answers like I had with Tom, well, I'd spray foam the first layer. If I could afford it, you know, I'd go ahead and spray foam everything. But Tom brings up a good point. You fill that whole wall cavity full of rigid spray foam that's cured out. I can't chase a new wire in there 10, 20, 30 years later. And when you insulate a structure like that and build a house like that, you know, that's playing for keeps. That's a hard house to move away from because when you do things right like that, those little things like air leaks, air infiltration, spray foam, wet cell, but sprayed in, uh, cellulose does the same thing. But it gets the walls really wet. You have to wait for them to dry. Yeah, St. Louis doesn't really dry out ever. So anyway, that's why we still use a lot of spray foam. The point is, is the additional comfort that comes from doing things right is what the real luxury is. That's why the efforts and why those uh, conversations happen. Uh, little things like uh, on a kitchen design, are you left-handed or right-handed? Well, why do you care? It's like, well, I mean, when you uh, turn off the kitchen faucet and you go to open the dishwasher, which side do you want it on? Well, can I hit? Why? It's like, well, you, you know, I'm right-handed. I like the dishwasher on the right side. I do my thing, flip open the dishwasher, pull out the rack, you know, to bit of bada bing bada boom and all the dishes are put away and off we go when it's the left side you know it's kind of like oh, okay turn it off and kind of bend over it takes a little more uh, thinking to open that dishwasher pull the rack out it's uh, uh anyway so there are preferences that humans that when you think about the ergonomics which is you know the bodily movement of mechanical uh, beings and um, things around like cabinets and appliances, there is an optimal piece. Well, then you have, you know, husband and wife. One's left-handed, one's right-handed. All right, here we go off to the races. We're going to negotiate which side the dishwasher's on. Or one person says, I don't care, I don't cook. All right, the other one does. So now we're talking to the man who does all the cookings. Like, I want it on the left side. I'm, I'm right-handed, but I want it on the left, and I want my cutlery drawer right beyond that so I can go boom, boom, boom. So anyway, you get into people if you're aware of how and how how and why you do things. Um, really good design, which is ahead of time on you know building this custom house. And a lot of us boomers are building and remodeling our last structure, whatever it is. And many people are building them with all these features in it, intending that it pass to another generation. So uh, kind of interesting, you know, the house and the remodeling and projects people do with Mosby Building Arts sometimes involves, you know, the wealth planner and the estate planner. It's like, holy smokes. Uh, anyway, uh, home improvement, well, I'm getting kind of off the track here, but pardon me, I'm geeking out. 314-436-7900 puts us together. Uh, we've got another hour ahead, uh, on us, uh, ahead of us here on KMOX. Billiken Basketball tonight, uh, your retirement professionals, 1 o'clock, 2 p.m. business, a family business. I'm going to take a short pause for now, I promise. I'm going to inhale just a little bit when we come back after this. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. 
Yes, indeed. Back together. Scott Mosby at your service at the helm. 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. Yeah, let's go to the phone lines here and talk with my buddy Jim. Hey, Jim, good morning. How can I help you, my friend? Morning, Scott. Yeah, I'm. Uh, we're doing a new build. It's it's a thing people call a shouse. It's on rural property, a shed on the bottom and a house on the top. Okay. And I'm thinking about, I don't really want to go to the expense of a central unit with ductwork. What do you think about these mini splits with uh, heat pumps? I love them. I've been using okay, them for a very hear. long time. Very as And Europe's been using them for half a century. So yeah. these are old technology. Um, I mean, we're 20 years into it here in the U.S., uh, but it's still kind of new. Uh, for example, uh, and mini splits come in mini modules too. So you can get a mini split that has, uh, let me back up here for the rest of the listeners. A mini split has an outside condenser about the size of a suitcase. And it does all the stuff for, you know, it's a condensing unit, but it's about, you know, could be a one ton, two ton. It's a small unit for one room. Well, you can actually get two-stage outdoor units to where you have separate modules for two different rooms or three different rooms. So these mini splits, what they are, is they're mini units, split system, which is still what a regular house has for a standard forced air. Uh, You know, it has the AC coil on the inside and the condenser outside. So those two units are split. A window air conditioner is not a split. It has all that stuff in one contained box. So, you know, a through-the-wall unit, window air conditioner, that is not a split system. So a mini split is just a small, big house unit. Um, so it's it's nothing new other than it's small. Uh, I love them, frankly, in, on all kinds of levels. They're pricey. Uh, the good news is they're loaded with electronics, so they have all kinds of stuff hitting a, a SEER seasonal energy efficiency rating of 22, 22 and a half, 23, which is really high is not tough. It's just a few more bucks that you buy on that mini split. So you can get very high efficiency. Um, they're uh, easy to put in um, the, you know, the gas charge, the, the Freon or refrigerant um, lines are already charged. You get them sized up. And you just plug in, turn this thing on, and the downside is when they break uh, or upside, it's it's pretty much, you know, it's like the works in a drawer TV like Magnavox had 40, 50 years. You know, you just pull this thing out and put it in. That unit might be $800 part, but there's not a whole lot that can go wrong other than gas leaks and such. So I, I, I like these things on all kinds of levels. Okay, so when you say pricey compared to a conventional heating system with ductwork, it, it looked to me like the mini splits would be significantly less costly. Uh, you're buying at the top end of equipment and efficiency. So a mini split might be, I don't know, you still have to put electric to it. You still have to put the unit in. Uh, they are in, inexpensive on the one unit thing. But if you have to buy five or six of these things, 
Yeah. Um, now you're, you know, or four or five, you now have bought a central unit. The advantage of these mini splits is they're completely modular and control room by room. So you can have your two bedrooms that you never go in until the kids come home or the guests come. Those dialed back to heat to, you know, 58, 59 degrees. And the rest of the house or your bedroom, you know, heating to 72, 73, you're saving enough that, you know, it doesn't matter. So the controllability is very high. And in fact, um, I'm in a house now that has uh, two central units uh, because of the, you know, for efficiency reasons. And my wife and I just put one in in a south facing room that gets very hot and we can't really balance the system out. Uh, so we ju- it was it was inexpensive enough. It was easier to put in a mini split in just that one problem room or that guest quarters over the top of the garage that you know was just too far away. So we've been using these mini splits for outdoor unit rooms and at Mosby Building Arts for twenty years. Okay, I got another question. So every obviously inside you have units that typically will hang on the wall, correct? And they're available in the ceiling module, too. They don't okay. have to go on the wall anymore. Oh, can one outdoor unit possibly run two indoor fixtures? Yes. Or does each in? Okay. It's but they not have one the, for one. You don't have to have one outdoor unit for every indoor unit. Uh, yes, kind of you do. But when you have a two-room unit, you basically have two stacked on top of each other. So there are two separate mini splits. There, you know, you save on the electronics. They're they're less costly to buy one double unit with two indoor modules. Uh, and and be aware that they are wall available and they are ceiling available uh, that to fit in between trusses at twenty-two and a half inches square. So. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and the but, most heating but, cooling places are they familiar with these? Uh, yeah, yeah, they are now. Ten years ago, there were a handful of them. Twenty years ago, there weren't many. Um, now they're they're stock and trade just because it, it was more the distribution than it was the contractors. The contractors, it's there's no new technology they're doing on putting on a mini split. It's just whether or not they're familiar. But the manufacturing and then the distribution of the wholesale houses to go out and train the contractors, that what that's what took 20 years to catch up. The the heating and cooling contractors, you know, it's nothing new to them. It's just a different looking thing. Gotcha. So there's no yeah and and anyway they they grow because of the individual supply and controllability of room by room. And for us as a remodeler where we're going in, there's always one or two problem rooms in that house that, you know, they just don't go into anymore because it's too hot or too cold or too whatever. And usually over the garage or furthest from the furnace and, you know, to, you know, put a whole second, you know, to split it and put a, one unit for the first floor, another unit for the second floor, all new duck for yada, yada. That's prohibitive. Popping a mini split into that one problem room with perfect controllability, voila, magic, done. So the outside unit, if if you're up, say, 15 feet where the living quarters are, that, that also can just hang on the exterior wall, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, keep okay. in mind, get, you know, and, and be aware here, this, this is an important part, Jim, um, you have... You know the little bitty refrigerant line. You have the big one that has the in, the, um, the insulation around it. 
then there's a control wire, low-volt control wire that goes in with those same uh, line sets, and you have a condensate drain because you still, in St. Louis, when you're air conditioning, you still pull a whole lot of water or water vapor out that turns into water. So you've got this half-inch clear plastic or PVC. We always put them in PVC so, so that you know they last longer. That still has to gravity drain out somewhere um, down that wall. You know, if you're on the second floor, you've got this pipe coming down that's a condensate pipe. So you, all that stuff has to go to that indoor unit, whether it's wall hung or ceiling hung. Right. Okay. Well, this is yeah. all great news. I'm I'm very interested in using them, and you've uh, you've certainly talked them up. So that's good to know. Thank you very much. Well, they're kind of you know they're it's like an electric car. They're kind of it's like a big golf cart. You know, there's not a whole lot to it when you really get down to it. You know, it's some motors and a battery, or in this case, you have a con- condenser and you have an indoor unit. But the only different thing is you've got a lot more stuff going back and forth between those two because it's kind of a, um, a modular unit where you just put this thing in and you connect this stuff up, but you connect a lot of stuff to it. Keep in mind, the the one complaint we've had, Jim, over the years is that in a, in a central forced air unit, oftentimes you don't hear the furnace go on or off. You The moving air does not make noise. When you put a mini split in a very quiet room, and we ran into this when we were doing three-season rooms and, uh, you know, four-season rooms, uh, the the fan and the condenser, and the fan and the coil are on the wall inside that room, so you're hearing the fan noise and you're hearing the air noise. So the objection we've had over the years is they're noisier than my central AC. No, oh, well, that's just white noise to help you sleep. Yeah, yeah there you go. Uh, and And <laughs> frankly... With my central unit, I run it all the time anyway, so I don't hear the on and off and change and loud. and You know, it's like, phooey, I'll just filter it all the time. Right. Now, are these 110 or 220? Both. Both. The bigger you get, 220, uh, but you can run them uh, for a unit that gets to 1250 BTUs or even 15,000 BTUs, you know, you're, you're, you're 110. Or 120 volt volt, so you know it's still a 20 amp circuit. But a lot of these things, you get pretty big. You can get up to you know ton and a half. You know you're still 20 volt AC. You know 120, 110, as you and I would call it. Right. Okay. Well, I, I certainly appreciate all the information. That's great to great to know. All right, Jim. Take care, brother. Thank you. Bye now. Home improvement. Scott Mosby. Take a short pause. I'll be back for more. I promise. I'm going to inhale in our break right now. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, indeed. Wrapping up our two home improvements. Scott Mosby at your service. 50,000 watts. Phone lines are ablaze. Let's talk to my buddy Tom. Hey, Tom. Scott Mosby, good afternoon. Good morning. How can I help, sir? Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, kind of tying in with that mini split question. Could you give me your pros, cons, and recommendation maybe on? Uh, I have a lake house, and there's a bedroom uh, added behind the garage. The previous owner has a little window AC, and then they would use space heaters during the uh, winter. Okay, but so the Hume gets, and they would leave the door open to that bedroom then. Okay, yeah. uh, when somebody was there, and it was closed the rest of the year, and you never had anything on there, so there's no duct work or anything over there. 
So yeah. my question to you is this. I was kind of leaning towards getting one of those um, uh, wall units like they have at the hotels that's both heater and AC for yes. the minimal use that it's going to get. Are, uh, if I looked into mini splits, they seem like they're a lot more expensive for that little bit of use that room will get. So um hope I explained it good enough to you maybe yeah. to get your, your thoughts on it. Yeah, well, uh, a through-the-wall unit, first off, a mini split is heat and air conditioning. So right. you get both, um, and you get it in one place. The difference between a through-wall unit is you cut, you know, two feet by three feet, and it, it takes up a big hunk. of It's a hole in the wall uh, that exchanges just like a motel room would. Uh, the advantage of a mini split is you need a, about a hole about two and a half inches around for just the pipes and wire, wires to go through. Uh, you don't exchange that. So the split part and why I'm a big fan is you're spending, you know, another thousand dollars for the mini split beyond it. But the efficiency is dramatic. Um, mini splits are kind of standard today. So the price has come down. The performance has gone up just like uh, laptops and computers. Uh, the through-the-wall units are kind of a niche market for motels. They're not, they're not as high-performing because when you're putting in a motel, you don't really care. So, so it's pretty low efficiency, not quite as quiet, you know, yada, yada, all that stuff. Uh, I lean deeply toward the mini splits because the noise is much, much, much less than a through-the-wall unit, i.e. it's exactly like a window air conditioner. And you can buy window air conditioners that heat and cool uh, just like these mini splits, but but uh, it, I'll tell you what, it's just it's hard not to do a mini split uh, because, frankly, when you call a heating and cooling guy out, they come out and they look at a through-the-wall unit. They might That might be the only one they've seen that year, whereas on a mini split or a standard furnace or whatever, that you know, they've seen 20 of them this year. So uh, the serviceability, um, the parts, the support, uh, you're paying it up front. I, I grant you that. But I would strongly uh, work hard to get that mini split in there because it's today's technology rather than yesterday's technology. So, but even for a guest bedroom down at the lake where you might only have use it two weekends a year, you would still pay the extra money. You wouldn't. Yeah. This yeah, way. If, I would. Was, if I was living here all the time, I'd get it with the mini split. But for that minimal use, you still would recommend that, huh? I would because, I mean, Frank, your lake place, what are you using 12 times a year anyway? So you were talking about 25% guest use or 20. I mean, it's still a lot of the usable times you might use that. Uh, and frankly, when you have guests come, you know, if you're giving them a guest room, you know, give them good AC as well and, and heat. I, I, I really like them. I just don't have any trouble with them. I put them in, and 20 years later, I wonder why they haven't broken. Thank you. Yep, that's kind of it. All right, Scott Mosby, home improvement. Glad to have it, Tom. Thanks, brother. Uh, I do like mini splits. I will into our next uh, next hour, hour three. Um, they are not good for adding or, detri- or for adding humidity. So I'll get into that and why and a little bit more because we've had some really good questions, uh, you know, both from Jim and Tom on mini splits and what and why and how. Scott Mosby, home improvement. Hour three coming up next. 